Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and we are in the final week of the NHL regular season. Very quick, seven months, six months, whatever it is, already down to the last two games of the Pittsburgh Penguins season. And boy, if they are not just the two most pivotal games you have ever seen. And why is that? Because the Penguins have yet to clinch a playoff spot. The Islanders, however, lost to the Washington Capitals by a score of 5-2 to two on Monday evening, opening the door for the Pittsburgh Penguins to once again control their own destiny. Shout out to... The Hockey Troll, shout out to other friend of the show, Polly Cupcakes, uh, shout out to the Caps Chirp official podcast, because the Caps, while being 2-6-2 and two in their last 10 games, won when it mattered for the Pittsburgh Penguins. A little bit of Russian love between Alex Ovechkin and Evgeny Malkin, that must have been what they were talking about at dinner the other week. He didn't even play in the game, but yes, it's, <laughs> they didn't even have Ovechkin for that game, because I believe he's dealing with an injury now. Um I mean, their season is over. I thought maybe they'd be able to dumb luck their way into a couple of wins. Uh, I didn't expect it to be that one without Ovechkin, but here we are. Um, Perfect timing. Perfect timing for that sort of deal. And I know we discussed months ago, we were looking at the end of the schedule going, okay, Detroit, Chicago, Columbus. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't, I can remember us saying, we shouldn't need three wins, but it's good that it's those teams. And then Detroit went on to trounce us a couple of times. But we got Chicago and Columbus, who, you know, we've handled before this season. Chicago already once. Chicago, we're we're getting on the right track against again, right? That's always good. Yeah. And then uh, Columbus, who, I mean, come on. Like I said, both these teams are closer to drafting Connor Bedard than they are to making the playoffs. So there should be no taking these teams easy. Taking them lightly, we've seen that too many times with the Steelers, but um, if the, the vibes are high, at least the vibes are good, they're positive. We take a lot of uh, we take a lot of ancillary shots at the Pittsburgh Steelers on this podcast. I realize I do it 
an awful lot, but mainly because a lot of Penguins fans are also Steelers fans, so they get the it's, easy reference. Yeah, but uh, I, I do realize that we we do take a lot of pot shots at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they're not stopping anytime soon. <laughs> not for me, at least. Yeah, you mentioned that these teams are closer to getting Connor Bedard than they are to making the playoffs. I feel like that might even be an understatement. The Chicago Blackhawks are currently dead last in the Western Conference. The Columbus Blue Jackets currently dead last in the Eastern Conference. The Pittsburgh Penguins have historically played very well against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Not historically well against the Blackhawks, but as you've mentioned, this is not the same Chicago Blackhawks team. Jonathan Taves has returned and played some hockey games, but Patrick Kane is gone. Duncan Keith has been gone. He went over to Edmonton, then he retired. Uh, Corey Crawford, who for some reason was always great against the Penguins, has been retired for some year now, uh, some couple of years now. But the good thing for the Penguins is Tristan Jari, historically, very good against these two teams. Combined Chicago Columbus and Tristan Jari's career, 7-1-1 record with a 9.27 save percentage and a 1.9 goals allowed average. You would expect Jars to be the goalie in both of these games, I would imagine, and it's good that historically he's performed well against both of these teams. It is, and it's good that he's able, he's seemingly finding his footing. Um, <clears throat> following his play against Boston, you, know, you throw Casey out there against Philly, you look at the schedule and you go, okay, there's no more back-to-backs. You have the ability to put Jari into each of those games if he stays healthy, which he has. And not only that, he's played pretty well in the first, let's say, two of the three. I don't remember too much of the New Jersey game, but uh, I know we lost. Nobody played well. Yeah. Nobody played well in New Jersey. And I'm just, I'm just like trying to remember it, but yes. Um, yeah, not ideal. So now you're running down to... Two good wins, two good games from Tristan Jari. He didn't face much against uh, Minnesota, or was it Detroit? Whichever one, he faced like 19, or 20 shots. Detroit, he faced 20 shots. Minnesota, he only faced 28, so pretty good defensively yeah. in both games, as we'll talk about later in the show. Yeah, so now you got two teams that he's done fairly well against in his career, historically well. This is a good, good way to close out the season, and you have to take advantage of what is being given to you. This is the golden opportunity. This is it. It shouldn't have come to this, but here we are, and now it's time to take advantage of it. Making the playoffs in the NHL is not an easy feat. I know the Pittsburgh Penguins, for the most part, have made it look easy for 16 straight seasons, but as we are reminded countless times by other teams, and even with the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2015, it is not an easy thing to make the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Penguins are feeling that pressure right now, but it is easy when it comes to what's left to do. All you have to do, win your last two games and you're in. You don't need help from anywhere else. You don't need to scoreboard watch, although I'm sure everybody and their mother will be scoreboard watching. You need to beat the teams in front of you one at a time starting tonight against the Chicago Blackhawks. But before we move on to talk about a little bit of award talk for the Pittsburgh Penguins, I want to ask you, Horwat, which of these two games remaining, Chicago tonight at home, Columbus on Thursday on the road, concerns you the most? You know what? I think just because of the Blackhawks history against the Penguins, the recent history, I gotta go with Chicago. And I know that they're a different team, but Chicago's just one of those dumb teams that even whenever they were starting their downfall a couple years ago, um, they were still finding ways to kick the hell out of the Penguins. 
<laughs> I know it's a completely different lineup. Patrick Kane's not even there anymore. They have a different goaltending situation. They've like they've had like three different goaltending situations in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of their lineup is kind of escaping me, but it's, Seth Jones. Seth Jones is there. Here we go. <laughs> Taves, you said, is playing again. He could still maybe do damage against the Penguins. I don't know. This team's weird, but um, you just never know. Whoever's in net for them, also, the Penguins seem to have this weird history of just getting stoned by uh, unknown goalies. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, hey, you know what? If it's Alex Dayok or Peter Mrazek, those aren't new. Those aren't new guys. So, uh, yeah. You never know. But that would be the one that draws the most concern for me just because it's at home. It's fan appreciation night. It is. <laughs> it's it's the game that we need to take the most advantage of, and we haven't done that this year. So the Chicago Blackhawks game is the one that would concern me the most. Tack on to that, it's Sidney Crosby's celebration of 1,500 points after his three-point performance against the Detroit Red Wings on Saturday. It is going to be a fanfare type of night at the paint bucket, and you hope the Penguins come out flying to start this game. Of course, I agree with you to an extent. Uh, I think Chicago is always given Penguins fans and people that follow this team a little bit of hesitation because those were the two giants in the 2010s. And since then, the Blackhawks have fallen off, but they've still, that's history of the Blackhawks just beating the Pittsburgh Penguins, whether that be at United Center or at PPG Paints Arena. But I'm going to have to go with the Columbus Blue Jackets because tonight it is the Blackhawks. It might be Eastern bias because I really don't know much about the Blackhawks prospects. I know a lot more about the Blue Jackets, but also... Second night of a back-to-back for the Blackhawks. Alex Stalock went for them last night against the Minnesota Wild, a team that will beat you up when they play as the Minnesota Wild, as we well know from Thursday's game between the Penguins and the Wild. So second half of a back-to-back for Chicago. It is at home. It is the last home game of the season. The Penguins just got that door opened. I think they're going to come out flying in this one. The Columbus Blue Jackets worry me a little bit more. Very young team. Very fast team with a lot of offensive skill. They don't know what they don't know because they're young, right? And I know what everybody's going to say. Listen, both of these two teams are tanking for Connor Bedard. Most of that work is already done. I'm going to tell you that right now. These teams are battling for last place in the NHL, and I understand that. But let me remind you of, I wish I could remember who I heard it from, but let me remind you of a good quote that I've heard. Players do not tank. Organizations do. The guys out there on the ice are going to be trying to fight to try to make a good impression to make the team next year. There's not a lot of spots on that Columbus Blue Jackets roster that are already penciled in for next season. Line A, Gaudreau, Wierenski, but he's hurt. Right? Maybe Roslovic already, but Kirill Marchenko, uh, Who's the kid from Michigan that's escaping my escaping my brain? I can't remember, but whoever the kid from Michigan is that did the Michigan. Can't think of his name. I, uh, Kent Johnson. That was just Kent to, Johnson. Yep. That's who it is. Kent Johnson. A lot of these young players, they don't know what they don't know. They got their ears are still wet. They're trying to make an impact. They're going to go out there and try to spoil for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Luckily, it's practically going to be a home game for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Usually there's already a large Penguins contingent in Columbus for road games, but with the fact and the impact of what this game could mean, win and you're into the playoffs, lose and you're done, I expect there to be a very large percentage of Penguins fans in the stands at Nationwide Arena in Columbus on Thursday. But with that in mind, I still think that's the more difficult of the two games. I think 
regardless, the Penguins can't take either of these tasks easily. Yeah, you're right. They sh- they can't play down to the opponent. Um, for what it's worth, uh, I'm you know as you listed off some names there, I know that it's a lot of young guys fighting for spots in the lineup next year. Uh, the 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 one good thing about those guys is those that they have contracts into the next season. A lot of them. Uh, you mentioned Kirill Marchenko. He's good until next season, at least. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau, out until forever and ever on that. Yeah. Patrick Laine, out for another couple seasons. Jack Ross, if got for another couple seasons. Boone Jenner, even. A couple more seasons. One thing that I'm glancing at here is, genuinely, who's going to be in, in goal for them? I saw John Gillies, of all people, was recalled on emergency loan. That should give you nightmares. Um, so I don't know who, who will be in net for the for Columbus come that game, but um, it also doesn't look like it'll be Mers Lincolns, so it's going to be one of those between John Gillies or Michael Hutchinson, who yeah, we play pretty well against. Yeah, Michael Hutchinson was absolutely uh, embarrassed the last time he played the Pittsburgh Penguins, so hopefully uh, yeah. that holds true uh, to the next one if he is indeed in net. If it's John Gillies, then, well... We'll see how that goes. But the Pittsburgh Penguins, before they get to that game, they do need to take down the Chicago Blackhawks later tonight. Another piece of news that came out on Monday. The Penguins announced a couple of annual regular season awards. Sidney Crosby, for the 11th time in his career, named as the team's MVP. I think that comes as no surprise to anybody. And similar to Chris Letang being named the team's Masterton Trophy nominee. Anything on Crosby and Letang getting those individual awards from the Penguins? No, none of that was surprising. Um, the the team MVP, I mean, we had discussions early in the season of Crosby being the, being among the league MVPs, uh, and then Connor McDavid just ran away. And, 150 points ridiculous man yeah it's 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 gonna be a fun entertaining battle for the runner-up of <clears throat> this year's heart trophy yeah <clears throat> but there were genuine discussions that crosby should still be among that in that talk as recently as what like two weeks ago it's kind of faded since just because there's a ton of other players doing way more right now mm-hmm. um but that being said i mean the genuine discussion was there for crosby to be in the mvp race for the league so of course he's gonna win it for the team and, I mean, Latang and the Masterton just go hand-in-hand hand this season, do they not? Man, you feel yeah. for the guy. Like, you got injuries upon injuries, and I forgot just how much nonsense he's gone through in his career. I know I bring it up all the time, but just throughout his career, it's been injury after tragedy after injury after tragedy, and just this season alone, it all kind of culminated into his second stroke, uh, the passing of his father, all while having a lower body injury and coming back and still being the best damn defenseman on this team, leading uh, in every category imaginable for the defenseman, mm-hmm. uh, which goes to show also how not good the defense has been this year. <laughs> but uh, Chris Tang at the age of 35, putting up 24-49 a game on average with yeah. 11 goals, 28 assists for 39 points. He's a minus 10, but we ignore that. <laughs> and Yeah, you know how we feel about plus minus. Yeah, we'll only discuss Jeff Carter's plus minuses. He is a minus sixteen. Oof. Yeah, yeah. Only when it gets egregious, and that's getting there. That being what said, what won him a green jacket this past weekend? Cool. <laughs> and not. Hey, you know what? I feel I feel for Brooks, but, um, you know, Crystal Tang should be in the legitimate running for this uh, to be a finalist this year for the Masterton too, because yeah, trying to think of of the other nominees. I mean, John Carlson's up there as well, playing with a fractured skull. 
Uh, but, yeah, it's... I would say Latang's a shoe in for uh, taking that one this year. Yeah, I obviously had a Penguins to go on it about a month or two ago. I don't remember exactly how long ago it was, but he certainly deserves some some recognition, and this is the least that the Pittsburgh Penguins obviously could give to, to Chris Latang in that man- manner. So I wouldn't be surprised in the least if Chris Letang walks away with the NHL's Masterton Trophy this year. He certainly deserves it. You mentioned all the lows that he had, some of the highs that he's had. Also, hit 1,000 games, man, and, and the way that he's went through, and you mentioned that it isn't just this season that he has been dealing with a whole bunch of stuff on and off the ice, uh, but it has been his entire career. So to get to the 1,000th game mark in this season, in a year where it's had to be him, like there, there's not been very many other guys that have stepped up on the Penguins' blue line. He's had to be the guy, and he hasn't been getting a whole lot of help in the back end since January 1st either uh, from the goaltender. So I, I would think that uh, it, it's pretty likely that Chris Letang, at the very least, gets some serious consideration for the NHL's Masterton Trophy. Does get, of course, the Pittsburgh Penguins nominee for that as well. But with that, I do think that's a great, uh, great point to turn over to our Pittsburgh Penguins regular season awards. I want to start with the Norris because it's just a continuation of what we were just talking about. I'm going to give it to Chris Letang this year, man. I thought about Marcus Pedersen because he's had a great season. He has obviously been injured over the last couple of weeks, but he was one of the Penguins, if not the Penguins, most stout defensive defenseman all season long. But when I look at the analytical numbers, they're eerily similar between Chris Letang and Marcus Pedersen. And Letang is still Mr. Everything on top of that. So... You mentioned, you know, 39 points in 62 games. The points haven't really been raining in, but since he returned from that injury and everything that happened in late December, early January, he's really started to shoot the puck more. And, you know, I echo the sentiments of, I believe it's Phil Bork, um, that he always says, you know, you just love to see Chris Letang shoot the puck. And you do, because when he's shooting, that means he's confident in his game. And whenever he's shooting, a lot of the times, it ends up in the back of the net. <clears throat> Yeah, it's there's no other choice that it could be for the Penguins this year. You're right about mm-hmm. Marcus Petras. Had a great season. I think there may have just been some growing pains in certain spots of the lineup that kind of you know pull away from being the best defenseman on the team this year. I think just pretty plain and simple. You know, it just goes down to Chris Letang because you look at the numbers, you look at the offensive numbers, and you said the metrics um, on top of playing through everything that he's done. It's uh, incredible to see the season he's had. Following up a career year, I know I predicted a second career year from him this year in terms of, you know, of of all-around game. Uh, you could say that, you could argue that this was another career-defining year. Probably not his best, mm-hmm. but you could say this was another career-defining year because it was everything that he went through and still came out on top as the top defenseman on this team. Um, so... Uh, yeah, the team Norris should absolutely go to him. Also, he got he was not he was also given the players player for the uh, Penguins awards as well. One of three. It was him, Zucker, and Crosby. Three well deserving uh, trophies given out there. Yeah, yeah. Jason Zucker is, is seemingly uh, a forgotten aspect of this entire formula that the Pittsburgh Penguins have put together this season. We might get to him in a couple seconds here. Uh, But before we do that, best newcomer for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Not a lot of nominees for this one, uh, in my eyes. There's not many people that could have won this, but I am going to give it to Ryan Paling. He's certainly, of the new Penguins this year, has the brightest future 
among them. I mean, I liked Jan Ruda in spurts, but he's been injured a lot lately. He's only played, I believe, 55 games, and there has been a lot of times where I'm looking at Jan Ruda, and I think I've said it several times on the podcast that you know he was an unnecessary addition at points this season. Now, of course, when you look at the way that Jeff Petrie has played, you say, okay, maybe Jan Ruda wasn't unnecessary. Maybe Jeff Petrie was the unnecessary addition. But luckily, when Petrie came over, he brought Ryan Paling, and I've really liked what I've seen, especially since returning from injury for Ryan Paling. He has the speed, he has some grit to him, and I think at 24 years old, there's a bright future of Ryan Paling as a Pittsburgh Penguins depth center. Oh, there is. Yeah, and you look around at the other newcomers, I mean, it can only be Ryan Paling, I think. It's... Mm-hmm. You, know, you mentioned Jan Ruda struggling with injuries. I mean, Ryan Paling struggled with more. He's only played in 51 games. Yeah. And only 14 points, but you remember almost all of those 14 points, right? Yeah. That's the other thing about Ryan Paling is that um, he seems to come up pretty big in important moments um, or really make his play known when he scores. So, yeah, I'd have to go with Ryan Paling as well. Jeff Petrie just hasn't been what we expected. Uh, Jan Ruda started off good and just kind of has – really turned into just the third line defenseman and there's nothing wrong with it he's not it's like he's a bad player uh, but he's had a couple of injuries that have derailed him and just too many other mistakes that have been made along the way uh who else even is there josh archibald is doing his role he's just playing his role nothing much there yeah, he's a newcomer, but he's also a boomerang. Like, the Penguins had him before, too. He's a Stanley yeah. Cup champion with the Penguins, let's not forget. Yeah, and, like, would you define Drew O'Connor as a newcomer? Would you define... That's, that's one that I thought of, because if Drew O'Connor was going to be included in my eyes, I would have probably given it to Drew O'Connor. But he's not even classified as a rookie this season, because he's played 25 games previously between the two seasons. He played 22 games last year, so about a quarter of the year in Pittsburgh. So uh, I, okay. I, I I was going to think to try to, okay, if he still has the rookie designation, I could slide him in there, but yeah, he really doesn't. So uh, well, then, I, I did I did rule Drew O'Connor out and, and went with Ryan Paling instead. Then there's also Team Rookie of the Year, P.O. Joseph, who, again, could you consider him a newcomer? Hard to say. Uh, but just to for the ease of this choice here, Ryan Paling. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Let's finish off our Penguins regular season awards with the Unsung Hero Horwat. I'll let you lead off Unsung Hero. All right, let me lead off Unsung Hero. So I wanted to say Jason Zucker, but I just feel like he's been, it's been so well known that he's he's had a resurgence season. I would say more. singing. Yeah. I would say more or less he's had the. The turnaround year. The mm-hmm. I forget what they doesn't NBA have a trophy comeback for comeback player of the year. He's the comeback player of the year. Yeah. Most yeah. improved. Like that's what he is. And there's nothing wrong with not being the unsung hero. Because I gotta go with the unsung hero being Ricard Raquel. Everywhere he goes in the lineup has been a success story. He's on the first line with Sidney Crosby. Well, he's playing great. He's on the second line with Evgeny Malkin. Well, he's playing great. Hey, he got a couple of games on the third line. And it worked. Wherever he goes in the lineup. Uh, he succeeds. Maybe that's because he is a good hockey player. <laughs> that's it's, simple. Yeah, it's that simple. He's going to be the unsung hero for um, 28 goals, 30 assists, 58 points, and just doing it wherever in, he falls in the lineup. He helped improve the power play immensely whenever it was clicking. And now I don't know what to say about this power play anymore. It's just its own animal. But he's helped this team a lot, and... I get he's 
also one of the players that gets a lot of recognition. But you just you can't give unsung hero to anyone in the bottom six. <laughs> you can't really give it to most of the defensemen. Pio Joseph's an easy choice there. And you certainly can't give it to any of the goalies. So um, it kind of just falls into this is a very popular unsung hero. I feel like people have obviously mentioned Ricard Raquel and said, you know what, he, he's having a really good season, he's a really good hockey player, and they're not wrong, but I do feel like it is still understated how good he has been this season. Like you mentioned, Ricard Raquel is the glue for this team. He can go anywhere. Like, he's played everywhere and succeeded everywhere. On the third line, second line, first line, whatever. You mentioned his point totals. It's his highest point total since 2018 with 58 points, and it's his highest goal total since that same season in 2018 with 28 goals. He's almost a 30-goal scorer. There's still a chance that he is a 30-goal scorer this season. So while, yes, some people are talking about Ricard Raquel and giving him the flowers that he deserves, it's still not enough for me. So I agree with you. Unsung hero, Ricard Raquel. Mm-hmm. It's just impressive. I mean... Like I said, Jason Zucker is another easy choice because it's been the production has been a little less, but it's just it's just been the comeback year. That's all that has been, you know. Yeah. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that either. Like he to- is totally deserving of being looked at as a Penguins comeback player of the year. I mean, he does anyone realize he's only scored 30 goals once in his entire career? He could uh, he had a great chance to do it again. He's at 27. Um, hey, this is his second. This is the second best year he's ever had in his career. It may not seem like it because of how highly we speak of the player, um, but injuries have derailed like most of his career, and this year he's remained relatively healthy, and putting up 48 points is the second highest in his career. So it's uh, a great season from Jason Zucker as well. Yeah, making it hard to see how the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to be able to afford to keep him in the city of Pittsburgh, but that's a discussion for another day. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Horwat has an interesting take on the two final wire card positions. We'll get to that right after the break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm Nick Berlansky. That's Nick Horwat. And you know what, Horwat, you surprise me a little bit because when it comes to hot takes, you're you're not really liberal with your hot takes. Like you, you like to keep them close to the vest. Sometimes I, I force you to say them on camera, and I know you're like, "All right, come on, come on." Like, like I want to give my takes, not hot takes, and I I get that and I respect that. But you put out a take yesterday that I saw that, and it took me aback a little bit. You said on Twitter yesterday that you think the Penguins and the Buffalo Sabers could take the final two wild card spots. You have more faith in Buffalo, or are you just feeling that Florida and New York are both going to tank out of that position? I don't know if they'll tank out of the position as much as it is. I love when a team, like everyone, everyone is talking about just three teams. Even us, we're just talking about three teams. We're talking about the Penguins, the Panthers, and the Islanders. Mm-hmm. That's it. We're, we're kind of having this, of the discussion of, eh, the Sabres are out of it. Man, they beat the Rangers. Yeah, they beat the Rangers. I'm not saying they're going to take um, 
full control of their last three games. They have two games in hand on the Islanders and Panthers, by the way. Where did that come from? But they have a good opportunity to just shock the world, take their 2.2% odds at the playoffs, according to moneypuck.com, and just change everything that change the entire uh, storyline of what we've been talking about like I said everyone's been talking about three teams how fun would it be if it was a fourth team that came out of nowhere in the literal last week of the season uh, and one of those stories of last week the wild card was Florida New York heading into the postseason is now Pittsburgh Buffalo hello where did that come from mm-hmm. I've been having my eye on Buffalo for a few weeks now too a few months now because couple months ago they were in pretty good position to go on a hot run and be in the discussion a lot has faded since then but and i'm not even going to say devin levi can be the one that turns this team around but he's a part of what could be a phenomenal story and just a ton of fun here for the animosity is what really that take was here Mm -hmm. for the watching because it would have to involve Florida and New York just flunking out of the season. Well, yeah, they have one game left. They'd have to lose that in regulation, both of them, in order for Buffalo to have a chance. Well, unless Pittsburgh also loses out, in which case, you know. But why not? Why would It would just be fun to see, like I said, the, the storylines around the last two weeks have been these three teams and how the Penguins are the one team sitting out. Why not just have a complete change in the in the uh, in the wild card race during the last couple days of the season, the, la- the final hours of the regular season, and oh my god, we have to change everything. <laughs> Be hilarious! I'm just here for the chaos. I'm not gonna lie to you. I like where your head's at because I would much rather watch the Buffalo Sabers in the Stanley Cup playoffs for the first time since, what, 2009, 2010, around that time, maybe even earlier, 2011? Okay, there it is. For the first time in 12 years, I'd rather watch that young, exciting team with, like you mentioned, Devin Levi has been a lightning bolt for them since coming up and starting his NHL career. I would love to see them in over the Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Flyers, yes, of course, but they're already eliminated, over the New York Islanders and the Florida Panthers because the Panthers, okay, I like Matthew Kachuk, but at the same time, you know, I've seen the Panthers in the playoffs enough over the past couple of seasons. And the New York Islanders, I just, I I have no palate for watching postseason hockey from the New York Islanders. Watching this young Buffalo team would be 10 times better in my opinion. So I like the take. Now, for it to be Pittsburgh and Buffalo, it's going to need to be regulation losses for both Florida and the Islanders, and then winning out for both Pittsburgh and Buffalo. Do I see it happening? Possibly. It's not as far-fetched as some may seem, but I also think it is a long shot to get especially just those two teams in. I'd like to say, you know what, let's get the Penguins in first, and then let's worry about the Buffalo Sabres for our viewing pleasure. For sure, but for the for what it's worth, Buffalo has an immediate test tonight against the New that, Jersey Devils. That's a huge game for multiple reasons for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and we'll talk about that in the final segment. Love that. And then also, Buffalo has the unfortunate ending of a season, and back-to-backs with travel. They go, yes. they play at home against Ottawa, and then travel to Columbus to finish off the season. Now, the teams aren't the most difficult. Ottawa, I mean, Ottawa's actually 
a little harder. They're, they're a very good team this year that were uh, among the same position that Buffalo is in right now. They were fighting for a real-life playoff chance. Mm-hmm. Um, but then traveling to Columbus to finish off the season. Back-to-backs with travel, never fun, never easy. And uh, who knows? Because you finish off the season with a pair of back-to-backs also. You, mm-hmm. I mean, if you win those games, you deserve the playoff spot. That's for certain. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter who the opponents are, especially considering – Two of them are New York, New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. So here for the chaos, I hope they do it just for the fun and mm-hmm. uh, just be so interesting. Plus, yeah, chaos. Fortunately for them, even though they'll be waiting for them, Columbus does have a back-to-back as well as they take on the Pittsburgh Penguins the night before, as we talked about in the first segment. But it's an interesting take. I was glad you put it up there, and I was like, you know what? We're, we're going to need to talk about it a little bit. But uh, let's shift back over to the Pittsburgh Penguins here with just two games to go. The one thing that has really turned the corner after that embarrassing loss to the New Jersey Devils early last week, the defense has stepped up a lot for the Pittsburgh Penguins. In the last two games, shots on goal against Minnesota. The Minnesota Wild had 28. Detroit had only 20. High danger chances. Minnesota had eight high danger chances in that game. Pretty decent number. Kept it below 10, which is what you like to see. Detroit had three. Three high danger chances in that entire game. Let's not forget Detroit is a team that has given the Penguins fits defensively all season long. Also, you look at the penalty kill. It has been much improved over the past two games as well. Four for five against Minnesota. The only goal coming on a five-on-three opportunity, which banked off of Brian Dumlin's skate and barely made it into the net, and then 3-for-3 effort against the Detroit Red Wings. Horwat, the formula is there. The Pittsburgh Penguins are playing stout defense and being opportunistic on the offensive side, and they've been really good over the past two games. Yes. (laughs) uh, Yes, the defense is finally doing things. And quite honestly, what's hilarious, and and here's another hot take, we can't take Brian Dumoulin out of this lineup now. Brian Dumoulin is an offensive defenseman right now. He's been, I don't know what has gotten into him over these last few weeks, but he is doing his best Bobby Orr impression. It's not working out all the time. Every (laughs) time I see him carry the puck in, I go, why is it always Brian Dumoulin? But then there's those off occasions where it's, oh, he's stepping up. Oh, he's making a play. Oh, we scored. What? (laughs) Where has this career year in offensive numbers for Brian Dumoulin? Are the defensive Mm. numbers there? No. 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 Not one bit. I'm going to tell you, though, there have been some little stretches where you've seen glimpses of the old Doomlin. He's just not able to keep that up consistently at this point in his career. Yeah, it's just astonishing that he's able to, to do the things he's done this at the end of this season. It's been quite mm-hmm. the run, and I think he's been a huge linchpin for a lot of this defense. I, there are still times where you just see Doomlin, oh, look, he's just gliding across the ice on his chest again. <laughs> I don't know also why Todd or Mike Vellucci all of us decided this season to go, all right, every defenseman on the penalty kill, just get down to the ice and start sliding. That's how we're going to stop. Yeah, everything. the Penguins do that an awful lot, and I just get mad because other teams scout that very easily. It's When they go down, wait them out because they're just going to slide out of the picture. Yeah, you're playing on ice, guys. <laughs> <laughs> sliding yeah. right out of the – yeah, so aside from that um, – this defense has looked really good recently. You mentioned those numbers of only three high-danger chances. Hey, man. If we can... Like I, like I kept saying, like when Ron Hextall says they like their, they like this team on paper, we scoff at it, we laugh at it. If he was to say, we like this defense on paper, I'd go, you're right, because so do I. <laughs> on paper, 
the defense gives me more hope than the rest of the team on paper because you have Latang, you have the season that Pedersen has been having, you have an extremely confident P.O. Joseph who hasn't been the same player as of late, but we saw what he could be earlier this season. Jan Ruda was pretty solid earlier in the season, and then Jeff Petrie just hasn't been there, but might still have something. On paper, the defense outshines the rest of the team on paper. Now, again, things need to be put together, but I, I said this all season, and I mean, at this point, I look like an ass, but it, this if this defense can put it all together, it can be something solid, and it's getting there at mm-hmm. the at a little late, but the right time. On paper, the defense is okay in my eyes. Like, I understand they've been playing very well, and that's why we're talking about it. They're okay on paper. Realistically, Jeff Petrie, if he played up to his standard, where he should be playing or where he's expected to play, where his price tag is saying he's going to play, then on paper, it's much better. Jeff Petrie is miles away from where he is on paper, his his actual performance. Um, But... I will say on paper, certainly a more trustworthy unit than the Penguins' bottom six. Uh, certainly a more trustworthy unit on paper than what we've seen from Casey DeSmith as a starter in net. So I'll, I'll give you that. But also, you know, for the longest time, they haven't performed like they did on paper. You know, Brian Dumoulin, for the longest time, was not. Brian Dumoulin is doing some things we've never seen him do in the offensive zone. Uh, but he's also, at times playing very well defensively. Now, he's never going to be the defenseman that he used to be, and he is still going to have those moments where you just look at him and say, why is it every time we allow a goal, Brian Dumlin is always right there missing an assignment? Because he does. He misses his assignments. He's not the defenseman he used to be, but he is still showing that he's able to evolve his game a little bit. He's trying to aid in other areas, which is something that we commend all players for once they get older, and it seems like he's trying to do at the same time. If him and Latang can work together and become an above-average unit, that's never going to be an elite unit like it used to be. If it can become an above-average unit for the rest of this season, then he has done his job. Not enough to bring him back in my eyes, but he has done his job, and that's what you ask for. Jan Ruda is another guy I wanted to discuss really quickly. A lot of people were bashing on Ruda for a good reason. Right before he was injured, he had struggled. Then he got injured, came back for a few weeks, was injured again. So it's been a rough second half of the season for Jan Ruda. Very small sample size. Two games. 46% of the shot attempts, which is not phenomenal, but 71% of the expected goals, 68% of the scoring chances for. As a third-pairing defenseman, I like what I'm seeing from Jan Ruda since he returned. I'm also liking the fact that Mark Friedman is staying in the lineup over Chad Ruweedle. I think that was a decision that not enough people mentioned, not enough people highlighted, because normally Chad Ruweedle goes in above Mark Friedman nine times out of ten, twice on Sunday, definitely in the morning skate as well. But, like, Mark Friedman stays in, and I agree with that decision by by Mike Sullivan, by Todd Reardon, because I think they're very similar players, Friedman and Ruweedle, but I also think that Friedman brings a level of aggravation to opponents that Ruedel just doesn't bring, and also a level of physicality that Ruedel just doesn't bring. So the decision to keep Friedman in and the performance of Ruda as a third pairing has also been very, very 
key to the Pittsburgh Penguins' defensive structure over the past two games. It has been. And now not to immediately rain on your parade. Hey. But it's with Dmitry Kulikov probably coming back today. Yeah. There's there's a wrench thrown into the entire situation because... I really hate that move. Oh, yeah. It was beyond stupid. Uh, yeah, good, good. We got out from Brock McGinn. You didn't have to take back another defenseman to throw another branch into this log jam. You could take one back, but you don't have to play him. But guess what like, we're going to. You could have taken a minor league defenseman. You could have taken this. You could have taken that. No. Not only that, Ron Hextall said he didn't plan on moving out a defenseman. <sighs> anyway. Yeah, so not to immediately rain in your parade, but yeah. who knows what happens with Mark Friedman in the matter of a couple of hours. It's... Yeah. Who knows what happens with Chad Ruedel in the matter of a matter of a couple hours? Also, and let's be honest. I, I mean, because more than likely, if Kulikov is back today, he's going in the lineup. There's no other way of looking at it. He's going to go in the lineup over Ruedel over Friedman. Now, because Pedersen is still out until the last game of the season, Pio Joseph remains in for one more game. Because once Pedersen is back, Pio Joseph is also getting the boot. Just because that's. Probably for the better at the moment. I know P.O. Joseph, like I said, hasn't had the greatest run as of late. I think he's. I just think he's losing his spot when Kulikov comes back just because we still don't know what we have in Dmitry Kulikov. Could he be the player yeah. on the blue line we need in the postseason because it's a different game? Don't know. Can't tell right now. But <clears throat> essentially, you're right. I do agree that Mark Friedman should be in this lineup. The fact that the branch of Dmitry Kulikov was thrown into this logjam, just, I agree, like I said, I agree with you, it just makes it unrealistic anymore. And that sucks. That hurts. I'll give Kulikov the benefit of the doubt, but I wouldn't even call him a branch in this logjam. I'd call him a freaking twig. Honestly, from what I've seen so far, he brings no upside, and it, it just confuses me. It confuses me why they brought him in. Uh, maybe you had to bring back salary in that deal to try to get rid of the last couple of years of Brock McGinn. Okay, that makes sense. I don't understand playing him over, like consistently, just no questions asked, putting him in over, over Joseph and even right now over Mark Friedman, who I think it, to me would be the option over P.O. Joseph to start the playoffs if it was down to those two. But, uh, you know, like you said, we might not get that option. It might be Pedersen Kulikov and that might be that. Um, so, so it, it's going to be interesting, but... I mean, you, you do bring up the point. Best defensive defenseman for the Penguins, Marcus Pedersen, still out. Yes. And I have one more thing about the Kulikov thing is, when it happened, I think my first thought was, oh, is this just another Nathan Beaulieu situation? That's what I thought, too. Well, it clearly has not been, but no. we do remember that we picked him up, and one of the reasons was possible postseason necessity. Right? That was kind of the, if if push comes to shove, it, he was the, in case of emergency, break glass defenseman. Now, I feel like that should be Kulikov right now. But yeah. the way that he has practiced and pretty much said he's coming back, and the way Mike Sullivan has said every injured player will play again in the regular season, yeah, there is no break glass in case of emergency for Kulikov. That label is getting smacked onto Ruedel and Friedman so fast. Uh, Fadoon, <laughs> but yeah, I know. Yeah, but like that's that's that truly was. We're past the point of emergency. Our first glass is already broken. We need another. That's bomb shelter right there. Yeah. That being said, <laughs> though, 
Um, that label's not on Kulikov, and it's not yeah. going to be. But yeah. it's good that we have Friedman and Ruedel in the system for next year, but we're not looking into the future right now. We're no, looking at no. The, the, just like the, the entire future is looking, 7.30 p.m. tonight. Yeah, we're looking at the the right now, the right in front of us, the who was on the ice, who was on the team at this very moment for this game. Mm-hmm. Like I said, a few hours, it's going to be Kulikov. <laughs> Uh, I don't yeah. make the rules yeah. or the decisions. Uh, I just report but, on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the good thing is the Pittsburgh Penguins defensively have been playing well the last two games. That seems to be the formula that they're going to need to employ to win the next two. And if they get into the playoffs, to have any chance of getting out of the first round for the first time since 2018. Getting Pedersen back will be huge. We'll talk about that when it actually does happen. But remember... The best we've seen from Jeff Petrie is when he was playing with Marcus Pedersen. So if Pedersen can come back, get the best out of Petrie, Dumlin and Letang can continue their trajectory, which is a positive uh, regression right now, and then we figure out the third pairing for the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, the Pens could have a pretty decent defense heading into the final game against Columbus. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's look at opponents for the postseason, because why the heck not? We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Weekly Pens poll this week. You don't want to put the cart before the horse, obviously. As Sidney Crosby said, you can check that video out on InsideThePenguins.com or Inside the Penguins on YouTube. He said, we're not worried about anybody else. We're worried about getting to the playoffs, right? We're worried about what we need to do. We're worried about beating the Chicago Blackhawks, beating the Columbus Blue Jackets, and then we can worry about everything else after that happens if the chips fall in the right direction. And he's right. He's 100% right. But because, Horwat, you nor I don't play for the team. We're going to look forward a little bit. We spent 45 minutes looking at the now, looking at where the Penguins stand right now, looking at what they need to do. Let's look forward a little bit, shall we? The question we posed last night on Twitter, make sure you follow us at Iceberg Podcast to participate in our weekly Pens polls. Uh, be part of the show, if you will. If the Penguins make the playoffs, which opponent would you now like to see them play against? We've posed this question a handful of times throughout the latter stages of the year. My question remains, this, or my answer remains the same. The fan base and our listener base Say the Carolina Hurricanes, with 56% of the vote. Now, to me, that might be some recency bias, because the Penguins haven't played the Hurricanes since December or January. It's been a while. But they have seen the Penguins play the Boston Bruins, who just broke the record for most wins in a regular season. And they definitely just saw the Penguins play the New Jersey Devils, who skated circles around the Pittsburgh Penguins at Prudential Center last week. Hurricanes, 56%. Boston Bruins, 34%. New Jersey Devils, 10%. Where do you stand on this question right now? I think I stand with the fan base there. Carolina's going to be the first choice. Boston will be the second. New Jersey will be the third. 
I don't know what it is about New Jersey. <clears throat> I get there the young, new, up-and-comer that might not perform well in the postseason, but I don't want to be the team. I don't want to be rooting for the team that is proven wrong. You don't want to be the start of that dynasty. Yeah. Um, as for, I'll just go in reverse order here. As for the Bruins, I, you know, I don't want to face them, but a lot of pundits have been saying if any team is going to take down the Bruins, it's the Penguins. And I go, how? But it's me. It me. (laughs) One of the pundits that are saying that it me. And, and that's awesome. And I see where a lot of, people are coming from with that take and with that um with that with that uh, comment i also look at it as i believe in it too because these president's trophy teams they're just not the same in the postseason there's something about it especially the record i mean you gotta figure the bruins are breaking a record that was tied by the lightning a handful of years ago and they got swept by a team that had never won a playoff series in their franchise's history. Yeah. So, I mean, this isn't me saying the Penguins are going to go out and sweep the Bruins, but this is me saying nope. that I could see where everybody is coming from with that. I still don't want to give it the chance, let someone else take care of that garbage. But that's my second choice. And my third and my first choice just comes down to the Hurricanes because we've played them close every game. I mean, hell, we've played the Bruins close every game too, but uh, we've played the Hurricanes close in every game. A couple of moves this way or that way. A couple of plays that fall in a different direction. And we have a completely different, first of all, spot in the playoffs. But also a completely <laughs> different conversation about the Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Right? It's We look at it differently. Because we've been able to keep up with them. And now it's a matter of keeping up and getting that one over. Mm-hmm. Getting two over on them. Maybe getting four over on them. Won't be easy. They're down Sveshnikov, which is a boost for any opponent against them. And who yeah. knows what that what happens with that goaltending. I know they have three options. But, I mean, you mentioned, you know, you always mention something about Freddie Anderson, where he's always injured at this time of year. Uh, who else are they riding with? Is it... Auntie Ranta and Pieter Kuchetkov is the third right now. Aside from Kachekov, I think Ronta's a beatable goalie. I don't know his numbers this year. I'm sure they're great just because I said he's a beatable goalie. If you remember, the Penguins absolutely throttled Antti Ronta in the first round series of 2016 when he played for the New York Rangers. (laughs) When he was Lundqvist's backup. Yeah, he came in for Lundqvist and the Penguins just torched him. Different situation. But yes, it's... it's, The mind game is there then. It's... Mm -hmm. So I would say that's my choice. By God, we need to put a magnet on Jordan Stahl. But. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Penguins do not do well with big bodies in front of the net. Anders Lee, Jordan Stahl, you know, Pat Maroon has had some success against the Pittsburgh Penguins. There's another name that, oh, uh, Chris Kreider. Always has success against the Penguins. Big body, down in front, seems to always score goals there, right? So the Penguins aren't great in that scenario. And Jordan Stahl, especially this season, has just victimized the Pittsburgh Penguins on a couple of occasions. And like you mentioned, yeah, the Penguins have played the Hurricanes tough. They played the Bruins tough as well. 
two third period blown leads against the Hurricanes in the latter stages of the game. Otherwise, it's two and two. The narrative is probably very different, but Andrei Svechnikov going down was a massive blow. Let's not forget they were supposed to have Max Petcheretti this season. They've only had him for two games before he blew out his Achilles once again. Such an unfortunate situation for him. But my heart and my mind is still with the fact that the Penguins match up best against the Boston Bruins. They really do. Both teams play about the same speed, the same style. The only difference to me is the Boston Bruins have superior goaltending and the Boston Bruins have superior depth. That's going to be the issue for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And what they're going to need to do is what they showed that they couldn't do against the Bruins in their last matchup. They need to win the special teams battle. You need to, at the very least, make it even. You don't have to win it. If you make it even, I think the Penguins can take down the Bruins at 5-on-5. But in my eyes, that is the best-case scenario. And both of us, as you noticed, do not want to see the New Jersey Devils and the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first round of the playoffs. Something that not a lot of people thought was a possibility, but right now is very, very much in the realm of possibility. If the Penguins finish in wildcard two, they will get the Boston Bruins, who have locked up the number one overall overall seed in the East, but the number one Metro spot is very much in play. Both the Canes and the Devils have two games remaining. The Canes have a one-point advantage on New Jersey, but it's going to be interesting because it might help the Penguins that this is still a matchup, but it also might hurt the Penguins if it ends up going the Devils' favor because if the Devils can push the Canes to the brink, which means either both teams lose tonight or both teams win tonight, The Canes will need to beat the Florida Panthers to win the division, which is always going to be a good thing for the Penguins. But you do run the risk that the Devils end up winning the division, the team that you definitely don't want the Penguins to see in the first round. Yep. It's a big game tonight. Devils, Buffalo, if the Sabres win, then, you know, the Devils will fall out of that and it doesn't push the Canes as hard against Florida. But if the Devils win, Buffalo falls out to basically 0% chance of making the playoffs, and the Penguins win, and Buffalo loses, they get eliminated. And uh, then it does push the Canes, but you're running the risk of the Devils. It's four days remain in the NHL regular season. So much can change still in the Eastern Conference wildcard race. You know what's really gross? That had the Rangers won last night, they'd be in real contention to also take the Metro. (laughs) Um, just putting that one out there for you. Uh, there's yeah. a little evil that we avoided. Uh, just, could, just, just imagine that one. Imagine how annoyed everybody would be. Yeah, that's the thing about the NHL's playoff thing, and we're oh, not going to get into it. But it, it creates too many recurring matchups. Like it was fun when it was, hey, three years in a row, Caps Pens, and they all the winner always went to the final. But now it's, you know, how many times do we need to see? Boston versus Toronto before we say, yeah, enough is enough of that. Like, this is the second straight year that we're going to get Toronto-Tampa, which it was a great series last year. It'll be a great series this year, but we'll probably see it again next year. And at that point, it's like, all right, well, I, I think we've had enough of this. Yeah, it's it, your marquee matchup shouldn't be the second round whenever you're mentioning the Penguins Capitals three years in a row. That shouldn't be your second round matchup is that? It's your second round. That should be Eastern Conference final stuff. Well, because I will say the- all three years there was a very good Eastern Conference Finals. I believe all three went to seven. Oh, wait, no. Pen, yeah, Pens, Lightning, seven. Pens, 
Senators seven, and then uh, Capitals Lightning went seven as well. Okay, yeah, it's still though, but it's not your marquee. Here are the teams because it's always I'm thinking of every Penn's Cup run since you know in the Crosby era. All right, they take the Capitals on in the second round. Great matchup, great the great young rivalry in the league. All right, now the Penguins win, and they're going to take on the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, they're in the same division now, but back then it was, oh, that's the team? That's the team. Swept. <clears throat> and 16 it was, like you mentioned, the Lightning, who, again, good. these aren't bad matchups, but they're not marquee matchups for the casual fan or the outsider fan looking in to say, that's a rivalry that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. It's Those are two good teams, not going to draw the eyes. I'm getting into semantics at this point. We don't need to continue, but you get what I'm yeah. saying. It's the... the yeah. The Penguins-Capitals games, or even the Penguins-Flyers games, whenever they were good, should have been the Eastern Conference Final. There should have been yeah. a trophy handed out at the end of those series. Anyway. Yeah. That was well, peak yeah. That was peak Stanley Cup playoff hockey. Yeah. Of every single one of those playoffs, that was the series. And then obviously the finals, but that needs no the finals, The finals in all three of those seasons, to me, were underwhelming. That's obviously, fair. exciting. For the Penguins to win, but six games, did we ever really feel like after game one that San Jose had a shot? Nashville, maybe more so, but that still ended in six games, and then the Capitals just absolutely blew the doors off the Vegas Golden Knights. Trounced them. So, uh, the NHL has an issue there. I didn't, you know, when I said it, I was like, yeah, we'll just mention it for a second. Obviously, we do four minutes on because you can't just sit there and leave it. You can't leave that alone there, but Gary needs to know what we think. That's why. Yeah, because Gary listens to the show. Uh, but if he does, <laughs> subscribe on both Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube. Make sure you hit the notification button to know when new videos come up because we have new content coming out every single day, even into the off season, which we hope isn't for a month or two uh, down the line. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you.